0: program this is auto world and now here's your host Bob Long Welcome everybody thank you very much for being here my name is Bob Long and it's that time time to welcome our expert to the airways of Auto World a gentleman with more than twenty five years experience as a lubrication specialist and one of the largest dams oil dealers in all of North America. We're so lucky to have Dan Watson along for the the whole hour as usual. Dan, how are you doing?
1: Hey, I'm doing good, Bob.
0: Well, before we get into the questions, we've got, as usual, a bunch piled up here. We invite uh, folks to call in to Mackenzie at 855-660-4261, 855-660-4261. Before we get into that, is there anything that you'd like to discuss before we get into the questions?
1: Well, it's probably uh, not something I like to discuss, but I think something needs to be said. I've been talking about, (laughs) excuse me, I got a little bit of a, bronchitis, but I've been discussing a, over the past couple months, I've brought up the topic and told people to be aware of um, basically glorified petroleum being sold as synthetic oil. Now, I want to be clear on this because I don't want people getting the wrong impression. I'm not accusing any company out there of doing anything illegal, okay. Now, as many people know, sometimes there's a difference in what's illegal and what's really the right thing to do. When it comes to motor oil, we are given uh, protection, if you will, from the government through the self-regulating organization of the American Petroleum Institute and the society of automotive engineers now the american petroleum institute the api they are responsible for uh establishing the classifications of oil the current gasoline is sn plus and the current diesel is ck4 now those are classifications you find on the bottle And the API works with the manufacturers uh, in order to determine what testing is required to meet that classification. The Society of Automotive Engineers established the scale we use to say what the viscosity or thickness of the oil is. So we've got a couple of professional organizations and they're set up there and they give us some things to rely on. Now as many now as going on 25 years ago, back in the late 90s, around 1995, there was a dispute between two of our big companies, uh, Castor Oil Motor Oil and Mobile Motor Oil, about what you could actually label as synthetic, what had to be in that bottle to be called a synthetic. And unfortunately, uh, In my way of thinking, that didn't turn out the way it should have because the definition of synthetic had never been in question. It was in every lubrication engineer's handbook for, and without dropping into the weeds or sounding geeky, it was taking two lightweight molecules and synthesizing them to make a heavyweight lubricating molecule. That was the definition. Easy to understand. You could get it right on every test when the question was asked. But in this argument between Castrol and Mobil, the effort was being made by Mobil to stretch that definition. I mean by Castrol to stretch that definition, to include some very highly refined oil that in the past had just been called a very high viscosity, pure base oil. But never was it called a synthetic. But was selling it as a synthetic, and Mobile was challenging them that they could not do that. And in this dispute that went on and was finally decided in Castro's favor because the American Petroleum Institute removed the definition of synthetic from their handbook of definitions, saying that, well, we're not going to define synthetic as a, as a chemical action anymore because the, uh, it's been decided now that synthetic is just a marketing term. So it would be kind of like saying that your radio tire is just a marketing term now, and we can sell you any kind of tire, just label it as radio, because it's just a marketing term. Well, okay, so Mobile at that time warned in their outgoing statements that this would open the door for down the road for people to begin to make oil and label it synthetic when, in fact, it was not anywhere close to that. The type of oil that Castro wanted to label as synthetic was a very, very high-quality type of refined petroleum that is really an outstanding oil, but it was just was not by chemistry it was not synthetic but it's a fine oil but now what has happened is that we have moved even a step lower and let me try to explain that i know i'm running out of time here in this first segment but the we classify oils as group one group two group three and group four historically group one was you get it out of the ground and and filter it and refine some of the bad chunks out of it and that'll be you can put additives in it that's a lubricating oil that was sold for a lot of years now group two requires you to further refine it and really get it cleaned up and make it a good base stock and that's what most petroleum oils in the united states are made out of today if you buy them group three was another process of really really refinery cracking this stuff and breaking up the molecules and then recombining them and that. Was what we call Group Three hydrocracked, and then Group Four was the original, real synthetics. These these terms like polyalpha olefins and esters, these silicons and these things. This is all Group Four, very very high performance base oils that are actually engineered and made, not just refined to their best condition. So when we dropped down to Group 3 for castor oil, that was enough of a saying that they said that hydrocracked oil could be synthetic. Mm-hmm. But they slipped a the fast one on us, Bob, and the latest stuff they're using is called hydro-treated, not hydro-cracked. And it sounds so close, but it's not close. It means that the oil is chemically purified, and it is a Group 2 base oil. And nobody in their wildest imagination in 1995 ever thought that Group 2 oil, no matter how clean it is, would ever be sold as synthetic. But it's being sold now, and what the problem is is that it will undercut the price of real synthetic, and so it's selling an imposter, and it's damaging the reputation of real synthetic, and this is just... To me, a member of the lubrication industry, this is just an absolute atrocious uh, direction that's gone in this. And, I, you know, uh, to our listeners, what I'm trying to say to them is is you're going to have to be really careful now when you buy something that's labeled as synthetic. And if you think the price is too good, it probably is because it's not real synthetic. And so when we come back from the break... I'll try to say why I think that matters to the Mm -hmm. consumer, and then we'll get on with some good questions.
0: That sounds great. Our telephone number is 855-660-4261. Dan Watson will be with us for the entire hour, and we'll continue to get his thoughts on this uh, very important topic, something we all need to listen to Dan about, because uh, there's an awful lot of stuff out there. That's being sold that isn't what they're pretending to be. So we'll have more on that straight ahead here on Auto World. you Giving your radio a broadcasted tune up. This is Auto World and your host, Bob Long. Dan Watson is with us, CEO of BalooPage.com. We're talking about glorified petroleum being sold as synthetic. Yes, it is happening out there and Dan is giving us a word of warning before we get into your questions. And Dana, I'm I'm not surprised. Here in two thousand nineteen consumers are, ch- are challenged with, with so many different options and, and choices and and there's a there's a lot of confusion and especially At the state level, there isn't the governing, the overseeing of products like there really should be.
1: Well, no, there's not. And I said when we came back, I was going to say why I think it makes a difference to know on these products is that when you buy a substitute that is actually there, hydro-treated, and this stuff is called synthetic, you're getting a decent quality, better performing petroleum than you might otherwise get. But you will end up paying prices usually for this that will be sold, making you think that you bought synthetic. And it does take more money to make a true synthetic engine oil. The base stocks are more expensive than the petroleum. So what happens is, as you go to a lube Place, someplace to change your oil, and they sell you a synthetic oil change. Now, my experience is, and I'm in this business, is that if you get that oil change for, let's say, I don't know, $59, $69, something, whatever it happens to you, let's just pick the $69, okay? That $69 is based on paying the, the service center, actually paying for a true synthetic engine oil. When somebody comes in and says, hey, well, let me sell you this synthetic for half the price of that synthetic, it's really hard for them to say no thanks because now they don't drop the price of their synthetic oil chains. It's just a a much larger profit margin to do that. And so what we have out in the marketplace is uh, when you go in to get a synthetic oil change, I highly advise you to ask for your oil change, your synthetic by name. Okay. Tell them that you want hopefully tell them to tell them you want an Amsoil oil oil change, that would suit me fine. But if if not, I would suggest that you tell them that you want a mobile synthetic oil change. Uh, maybe you can do castor oil and maybe you can do valvoline, but I did some research and I'm not sure that that's holding up either. But anyway, I wouldn't say it isn't, but be careful. You can go online and you can look for the determinations on these things. What is bad is when you find that most of the companies have, have gotten smart and they don't want to tell you what the base stock is. They'll just tell you it's synthetic. Because they can. Legally, they can tell you that after that 1995 ruling, and it's ridiculous. Okay, It's like, well, I can lie to you because it's legal, Okay, but you're just going to have to do the best you can. I can tell you that when you buy Anzo synthetics, that's the one thing that we still can hold out and say is this is a real McCoy, true synthetic engine oil. And uh, we may be priced a little bit above some of the other guys because we're continuing to give you what you're paying for rather than having you buy something which is uh, in name only what it is. So that's my, my uh, you know, <laughs> my blithering for this week of complaint about where this stuff has gone. So why don't we just get to some questions and maybe I'll be in a better mood
0: giving your radio a broadcasted tune-up. This is Auto World, and your host, Bob Long. Back live with Dan Watson, CEO of TheLoopH.com. Dan is explaining the DP cleaning cycle uh, known as regeneration and the side effects thereof and dan you're doing such a wonderful job of explaining a, a very complicated item and bringing it right down to folks like myself and all of our great listeners
1: well it is um On its face, it's a pretty simple process, but as you know, like I said, from theory to practice, taking this theory and putting it into the vehicle where it's going to work. And what I was getting to before the break was the EPA sprung this so fast on the the diesel community of what they were going to require, and they weren't waiting until the next year, although they came in late with what they were asking. It was too late for the year model, but they demanded it on the year model, which was such a situation that... Volkswagen did not produce a vehicle that year. There's no, I think it's 2007, there is no 2007 Volkswagen turbo diesel. They stayed with the 2006, kept producing it, and then the 2008 is when they were able to incorporate the changes required here in the U.S. by the EPA because it came into the system so late. Well, what GM and... Ford for the Power Stroke, GM for the Duramax, and uh, Dodge for the Cummins turbo diesel. They all decided the only thing they could do is use their install system with the computer system to actually use the injector to inject raw fuel into the exhaust system, that it would take that down through the exhaust and reach the diesel particulate filter virtually catch it on fire with the diesel and burn out the carbon and clean it up and that regeneration cycle would be completed. Now, that's a pretty crafty way to get around having to install new equipment. One of the side effects we're talking about here, one of the things that happened during this process, is that every one of these vehicles, because when you get diesel going out on the exhaust stroke, what it would do is it could wash past the rings And when it did that, we began to accumulate raw diesel in the crankcase oil, the motor oil that's in the engine. And we saw numbers as high as 10, 12, 14% fuel contamination in these systems using this regeneration process. Now, prior to this, when they started this, if you did an oil sample on a diesel engine, And you had 5% fuel contamination. That was called a condemnation limit. You drained the oil and got rid of it. But here we set up a system.
0: Jay Leno, you're listening to Auto World with
1: Bob Long.
0: How you driving, Cadillac, Dale? Yes, indeed. We're back in line. I lost electricity just just for a minute or so in my humble studio. And that disconnected me from the network, and then I had to wait for my computer to go through its dance to, to get back connected with the network, but I am here. Dan Watson is here as well, and we've got your questions standing by, and Dan, apologize for that. Uh, did you have any loss of power, because I know you're in the same neck of the woods.
1: No, no, I usually you can lose power here on a sunny day. It's <laughs> very unreliable, <laughs> but not this time.
0: Uh, there's so much building in Orlando proper. Uh, probably something to do with that. There's awful lot of building going on. Um, so you want to dive into the questions from the Yeah,
1: point? let's just do some questions now.
0: All right, great. Art in California sent us a note here. He says, "What is the best fuel additive for cleaning my direct injected gasoline engine?" Uh, We've heard this one before.
1: Yeah, I guess it's it's something that we keep going over because people don't quite understand the technology going on. But here's, to put this in a nutshell, you can't clean some critical parts of your direct-injected engine with a fuel additive as a cleaner. Now, why is that? Well... When we have a (coughs) direct-injected engine, we've got an injector that's in the cylinder. That's why it means direct-injected. And it's going to direct that, inject that fuel right into the cylinder on the up, the compression stroke, so that we get uh, a fuel-air mixture and we're ready to go. Now, in the past, we would bring in through either a throttle body or multi-port fuel injection, we would be putting some fuel into the incoming airstream so that it was mixed up with the air, and then when the intake valve opened and the piston was going down and it sucked that volume of uh, air and gas mixture in, and then just about the time it reached the bottom, it starts up, the valve closes, and it creates compression, and the spark plug sets it off, and away we go. We have power in that stroke. Now, once you go to direct injecting the gasoline, there's no fuel coming in with the air mixture across the intake valve that opens. And what that means is if I put a a cleaner in the fuel, it will not come across the back seat of that intake valve, so I can't Mm -hmm. clean the intake valve. So in a direct-injected engine, (laughs) you can use a good cleaner to keep the injector tip inside the cylinder clean, to also uh, remove carbon off the top of the piston, try to get some of the carbon loading out of the cylinder. You can do that, but you just can't clean that intake valve. And what that means is that eventually the backside of that intake valve is not going to seat properly against the, the valve seat and you're going to end up with some leakage of compression getting past that intake valve when it's shut so the only solution for that that we know of now is it has to be cleaned either by the dealership or by some shop that has the proper equipment to do it and they do some type of uh, upper engine cleaning to clean all of the valves the intake valves and so forth and so that can be done. I have heard that it's around 190 to $210, somewhere in there for most of the dealerships that sell these direct-injected engines. But to be clear on that, I don't care what additive you buy, nobody's additive can clean someplace that it never touches. Mm-hmm. So it, you just can't clean the intake valve on the back seat. That's, we've explained this before, but it is important to understand because people will get disappointed we make, AMZO makes this uh, what's called performance improver, which is a fantastic fuel additive. But when we get calls complaining that it didn't clean my direct-injected engine properly, and the answer is no, it, it did. It cleaned everything it could clean, but it can't clean what it can't touch. So hopefully so, that General, that explains that direct-injected technology.
0: Very good information. Let's go to another question from California, maybe listening on our Fresno affiliate station. Alex writes, he flies large model airplanes with small two-stroke engines. I've seen some of the guys using AMSOIL. Which AMSOIL do you recommend for this application? Well, that's kind of cool. First time we've ever got a question on large model airplanes
1: tell you you've seen them right bob these guys they when they go out they will have this gathering and they're flying these planes which will be anywhere from six or eight foot wingspans with the fuselage maybe being three four feet long they've got some pretty powerful little two-stroke engines in them and they're uh as they're called radio controlled because they're controlled from a transmitter and a, and a box that controls it and, and those guys get good those were in fact the precursors to the modern day drone because sure. the guys that developed and used those they now use similar models that the marines of the army that they just simply get it started hold it up in their hand and throw it and launch it And then it takes off, and it's got cameras and stuff in it, and it can transmit back. But it's just like these model airplanes that people, enthusiasts, let's say, have flown around for, gosh, the last 40, 50 years have been flying these things. And um, the little two-stroke engine in there is quite similar to any other two-stroke, just like you would have in a high-performance weed whacker or something, right? It's the same technology. Mm -hmm. But they fly them with... Uh, different types of fuel and gas and sometimes they can even buy a little can of pre-mixed fuel uh, and what we recommend is our 100 to 1 uh, Sabre Professional 2-Stroke and we've sold lots of it over the years to these guys because they uh, really push these things and that synthetic 2-Stroke engine oil is like caviar to any two-stroke engine. It's fantastic for protection, and uh, it can be mixed in such light mixtures as 100 to 1 and provide total protection. So any time you can get that mixture down to 101, you get a little bit more burnable fuel in that cylinder than you would otherwise, because the oil displaces fuel when it's mixed in with the oil. I mean, the fuel and the oil are mixed together, so you cut back on the amount of oil, you get more fuel. So these things really like that mixture ratio, and they they really run well. And so, um, yeah, for this guy, to answer this guy's question specifically, it is the AMSOIL Sabre Professional uh, Two-Stroke Engine Oil.
0: Good. That's great information to have because I'm sure we have plenty of folks listening who are into that hobby, and it sounds like something cool um, to be involved with. We've got a question from New York, uh, and Roger is the gentleman with the question. He's got a brand-new Honda. Congratulations, Roger, and he has found that it requires 0W16 engine oil. Oil so thin is scary. The only place I can find 0W16 is at the Honda dealer. Is it available from an auto parts store? A good question for, from Roger, and again, new technology.
1: Yes, and the 0W16 application has been used in Japan for a couple of years. It's just making it into North America. Now, it's not easy to find. Uh, I know that AMSL's version has just come out. Mobile has had one for a few months longer than what Amzol has. Uh, I'm sure some of the other companies are coming out. Uh, We'll finish it after the break.
0: I think that makes a lot of sense. Telephone-wise, you can get a hold of us at 855-660-4261, 855-660-4261, or... Shoot me an email, Bob at AutoWorldRadio.com, Bob at AutoWorldRadio.com, or Dan Watson at TheLoopage.com. Giving your radio a broadcasted tuna. This is Auto World and your host, Bob Long. Have you heard the story? I'm Bob Long. For taking your questions, Roger in New York wrote us that he has a new Honda requiring zero W16 oil. He's concerned about the thinness of the oil, and he can find it right now just at the Honda dealer. Uh, is it available from an auto parts store? And Dan, you were telling myself and the, all the listeners around the country and around the world about AMS oil and this particular configuration of oil and and uh, you well, this zero
1: W16. That... Let me uh, piggyback this on the first segment when I was talking about uh, the glorified petroleum. I'm trying to pass as synthetic. Uh, Mm -hmm. the 0w16 can't tolerate that it it can hardly do it even with the um, what we call the group three classified synthetic this this stuff um, has to be a high quality oil and in japan that that's what they expect because they recognize high quality oil so they think that the 0w16 will be fine the problem is that some of this stuff that we're, there's no petroleum that could be 0W16, so it calls for a synthetic, but hopefully it won't get some of this glorified uh, petroleum, Mm -hmm. uh, because that will be causing some problems with a variety of cars, and there are some problems with some of these 0W16s they've incurred here in the North American market, and uh, quite frankly, I believe it's because of substandard oil that's being sold as 0W16 synthetic, and they're not expecting that I think that Japan will you know the Japanese will probably have to come out with their own spec on what they want when they say synthetic so that they can be sure they get it uh, I in my research I was doing about this I discovered that in Germany the only oil that can be called synthetic is what we originally called synthetic which was the group for chemical based synthetics and uh, So I find that interesting that these German cars, when they spec out that they want certain oil in them, come to North America or other places. And I wonder if the Germans have kind of figured out that uh, because you said synthetic in Germany, it may not mean the same thing when somebody buys it in North America. So that may be a problem coming down the road. But this 0W-16, if your car calls for it and you really can't find it, hey, put 0W-20 in the car. Live long and prosper. It, it will not <laughs> cause any problems in your car, and it's pretty proven. So if you can't find it, just buy some high quality. Again, it's got to be high quality, even in Zero W20. So I recommend uh, Amsoil. If you can't find Amsoil, then Mobil would be the second choice. But uh, these thin oils, you got to protect yourself by getting the best quality that you can.
0: And it's certainly easy to understand somebody's concern if they're new to this type of thin oil, um, but this is the kind of technology that uh, we're seeing in today's engines, as you say, not only variable valve timing and direct injection, but also the use of these very lightweight thin oils it is not uncommon from a variety of different manufacturers Gary in Atlanta dropped us uh, an email here and he's got a 2014 Chevrolet pickup truck he recently changed the rear end gear oil now when I make a sharp turn the inside tire skips and chatters did I break it Or is there something I can do to fix it? Good question.
1: Well, he's revealed to us that he has a positive traction rear end. (laughs) Uh, Because (laughs) for our listening audience, when you have a positive traction, both wheels pull and turn. Now, contrary to what most people may know, really the right side tire on most automobiles is the power wheel and the left tire tire doesn't really put on much power at all and so what happens is is when you turn a corner you can think about this here's our geometry lesson of the day okay (laughs) i have two circles one circle being made by the inside tire one circle being made by the outside tire now the circle made by the outside tire is bigger than the circle made by the inside tire so if i went around the circumference It's quite a bit larger than the inside because they're separated by about six or seven feet, whatever the width of that axle is between the tires. So if I'm going around a corner and I have a positive traction rear end, both wheels are trying to turn the same amount, which means that the outside wheel is going to turn and equal number of times as the inside wheel but the inside wheel is not going to go the same distance so what happens is it starts skipping and bouncing because that's what happens now the rear end and these positive traction rear ends they're made and the way the axle actually receives its power from the differential gears in the pumpkin back there is by some clutches some heavy duty clutch faces that engage that axle Now, you have to use what's called a friction modifier in those type of rear ends, and that will allow that clutch on the inside wheel to slip as it needs to so that it doesn't have to turn as many times as the outside wheel, and hence no more skipping and bouncing and bumping because the tire now doesn't have to turn as many turns as the outside tire in a shorter circle. So these uh, additives that you get, uh, they're designed specifically for that. And so apparently, probably Gary didn't realize it in his Chevy pickup. He had a positive traction rear end. And when he changed the gear oil, he didn't put in the friction modifier additive. A slip lock, it's usually called. Some type of slip lock. Okay, And that's what it means to slip that locked up clutch to allow that difference in the number of revolutions you got to make to get around that corner it's a typical thing that happens a lot and gary shouldn't feel too bad about it surprising him because sometimes when you buy a pickup or a truck or a car from somebody you don't really get all that information of whether it was a positive traction rear end or what what it had but Gary you got a positive traction rear end you're going to have to put some slip lock in there and it'll take care of your problem
0: great advice Dan Watson is with us you can reach Dan via email anytime, DanWatson@theLoopPage.com, And you can also call Dan, and I guarantee you he will call you back. He's very busy, so it may take a day or two, but he will get back to you. And what's that b- best number for personal inside advice from Dan?
1: That would be, that would be 800-370-2986, nationwide toll-free
0: very good willie in Macon, georgia has some muscle cars from the late 60s well that sounds terrific Willie.
1: yeah i, I like heard, fun <laughs> I, I,
0: yeah absolutely i heard you mention the need for oils with sufficient additives to protect the cams and lifters in these cars will i damage the cars using sn plus rated oils Interesting question and a very important one. Well, it's
1: good because we get the question about should I use oils with high zinc, but we rarely get asked the question, well, what if I were just using this SN Plus modern, latest modern rated uh, engine oil? Would it damage the car? And the answer to that is is you probably wouldn't if you were using uh, a 40 or a 50 weight oil in that older car. If you're using a 30 oil which you should not be using a 20 in the cars in the late 60s. But if you're using a 30 and it was SN plus rated, it would be a low additive package with that that lightweight oil for that application. Now, you could probably squeeze by if you had a 40 weight, but uh, my suggestion is, is that you go ahead and look and find oils that are rated for that vintage of vehicle, now in the Amsoil line, they're called. We have these those called Z Rod, and they're they're made to have high volumes of zinc and phosphorus. Here's the thing about that that vintage of vehicle: a lot of them had what they call solid lifters. What that meant was you've just got a slug of metal that's solid, and it's the actual thing at the end of the lifter riding over the camshaft. Now, if you have sufficient oil film and high levels of zinc, phosphorus, uh, maybe sulfur, whatever's in that particular oil, uh, you get protection. But without it, you might start wearing that cam out.
0: So it's very important to listen to Dan's advice. And, Dan, I can't believe it, but... The hour went very fast, We'll we'll talk to you next week, same time, same place.
1: All right, we'll do it, Bob. See you then.
0: Sounds great. Dan Watson at the thelewpage.com. Shoot him an email. I'm Bob.